Please turn with me now to the Word of God in 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen 
are eternal. This morning's sermon text is verse 7 of this chapter. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The word of God, my dear fellow believers, the word of God describes our human frailty in different ways. Psalm 102 compares our lives to a shadow that declineth, a shadow that shrinks as the sun rises to its highest place in the heavens. Psalm 103 compares us and our lives to the grass or to a flower that grows for a day and then is cut down and withers. Man, no, yet man soon yields up his fleeting breath before the swelling tide of death. Like transient sleep, his seasons pass. His life is like the tender grass, luxuriant neath the morning sun and withered ere the day is done. Here in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, the word of God reminds us of our frailty by comparing us to earthen vessels. But before we talk about that, I want to tell you why I've chosen that verse for this morning's sermon. And that has to do very simply with the fact that many of you have been reminded of our frailty and weakness these past weeks. Some of you have been reminded of that in the death of family members or friends. We've all been reminded of that in the fact that our brother Dennis is in the hospital on the other side of the country. We're reminded of that all the time in our trials and troubles, family troubles, pain and illness, all of what Paul calls in this chapter our affliction, all of that is a reminder, too, of our frailty and weakness. But the Word of God here in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 not only speaks of our frailty but of God's purpose. 
in our frailty. And that's the subject of this morning's sermon. God's purpose in our frailty and weakness. We're going to talk about three things from the passage about our human frailty, about our great blessedness, that's part of God's purpose, of our great blessedness described in the text as the treasure which God puts in those earthen vessels. And then finally, about God's sovereign purpose in all of that. Earthen vessels. That's our frailty. You have to think, in modern terms, of one of those orangey-red clay pots that you can find in a garden center and which some of you probably use for flowers and other things. That's an earthen vessel. And that's a very appropriate description, too, of what we are, first of all, of course, because we are made from the dust. We are clay. As Job says in, I think it's Job 10, verse 9, God made us of the dust of the clay. From the dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. That's the teaching of the Word of God. But we're like those earthen vessels, those clay pots, also because that kind of a vessel is very easily broken. If you will, God broke some of his vessels. God himself broke some of his vessels these past weeks. Psalm 2 talks about a potter's vessel, and that's the same thing. Speaks of Christ dashing his enemies in pieces like a potter's vessel. And you know what that means. When you throw one of those clay pots on the ground, it breaks into hundreds of pieces. That's part of our likeness to earthen vessels. But those earthen vessels are not only easily broken, They're also, while they're still of some use, they're also very easily chipped and cracked. 
And that too we see. See in what's happened with Dennis. We see that in all our trials. That we are nothing more ever than earthen vessels. We're described as earthen vessels in this passage also because such clay pots are not very attractive. If you break an expensive piece of china or glassware, then you're devastated, especially if it's something very precious as a family heirloom. But if you break a clay pot, you just go and get another one. It's of almost no value. And especially of no value when it's broken. In fact, the word that's used here for earthen vessels is a word that the Greeks used at the time the New Testament was written to describe the pieces of pot that they used to vote. Yes or no, this one or that one. They didn't use paper, they used pieces of clay pot, and they used them because they had all kinds of them. That's the word that's used here to describe you and me. And not only are those earthen vessels of little value, but those of you who do some gardening and use them know how quickly they become dirty, how quickly mold and other things grow on them and make them even more unattractive. It's all part of the description that's given here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. A description of you and a description of me. None of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've accomplished, none of us is ever in God's sight, and in God's word, more than that. Earthen vessels. But Paul says, that's part of what the Bible in another place calls his strange work. God puts his treasure, it's his, he puts that treasure in those clay pots. 
Paul tells us what that treasure is in verse 6. It's the light, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure of the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You children know that that's a treasure? That when you go to catechism, Reverend Key is doing his best to give you a treasure when he teaches you from the Word of God? We should all be reminded of that, shouldn't we? What we learn here in church is a treasure that can't be bought with money, a treasure that makes us richer than crisis. I'll leave that to you to look up who Croesus was, supposed to be the richest man who ever lived. Treasure more valuable than anything you will ever gather for yourself by all your work and efforts during your lifetime. A treasure. Really? The only treasure that there is in all the world. And it's light, too. In this dark world, in all the darkness of our troubles and trials, this is not only a treasure, but a treasure that sparkles and gives light. The light, the Word of God says, of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Anything you know about God is treasure and light. Anything you know of His sovereignty, of His power, of His majesty, of His glory as the God of gods, and king of kings is treasure, something to be treasured, and light as well. What you know of him as the triune God is everything and more than the word of God says of it here when he calls it this treasure. But the Word of God is thinking especially here, not just of the knowledge of God in some general sense, but of the knowledge of God as Savior. 
It's the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There you see him not just as the sovereign Lord of all who does according to his will in all things. But there you see him as the sovereign God of our salvation. In the face of Jesus Christ, that's where you and I see him. We see him in the face of Jesus Christ as the God of election, who gave us to Christ before the foundations of the world. That's what election is all about. It's God's gift of certain ones in eternity to Jesus Christ. It's the knowledge of God as the one who by a miracle of grace paid for our sins by the death of his son Jesus Christ on the cross, and by all that he suffered there. It's the knowledge, the treasure of the knowledge of God as the one by whose almighty power we are born again, born out of the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light, translated like Enoch was. That God and the knowledge of that God in Jesus Christ is the treasure of which the Word of God speaks here. We have You have, I have, that treasure as an earthen vessel. When God gives me that treasure, and of course he gives it to me when he unites me to Christ. And all the riches of grace in Christ Jesus become mine. Gives me that treasure when he sends me his spirit to live in me and to make those treasures of the knowledge of God a reality in my heart and life. But God puts that treasure in earthen vessels. And that, as I said, is what Scripture refers to when it talks about his strange work. Who, who but God, would do something like that? If you're the curator of a museum and you're displaying the treasures that belong to that museum, you don't put 
them in old flower pots. You arrange for the very best lighting, and you spread those treasures in nice showcases, probably put some nice velvet behind them to show them off the better. But that's not God's way, is it? He puts his treasure in old, dirty, I'm referring to our sinfulness, old, cracked, dirty, Flower pots. And he reminds us of that. When someone dies, a friend or a relative, he reminds us of that in our trials and struggles. That that, as strange as it may seem to us, is God's way with us. And the result is, using that figure, the result is that you can't even see those treasures very well. They're not all spread out in their glittering splendor in a nice showcase on some beautiful Velvet background, but they're all dumped, as it were, in an old clay pot. Sometimes that's so true that the only thing you notice is that old, cracked, dirty earthen vessel. That adds nothing, nothing whatsoever to the beauty of that treasure. In fact, really detracts from the beauty of that treasure. Puts that treasure of the knowledge of his own glory in the face of Jesus Christ in people who are struggling with their sins and who find that their sins rise up against them every day. Puts a treasure in people who are hurting, wounded, broken, if you will. That's his way. Puts that treasure in vessels that are still covered with dirt and filth 
And the great question of the Word of God here is, why? Why does God do that? Why is that His way with us? Why these troubles? Why these afflictions? Why does he put that treasure in those earthen vessels and then break them? Sometimes it seems to us long before the usefulness of those vessels is past. Why does a child, a young person, a father, die, we would say, before his time. Why does God send us all the afflictions of this present time and show in that that he's pleased to put his treasure in What is no more than an old, dirty, and cracked clay pot? Why? Why? Why these troubles? Now, in my life, why this? Why, why me? Such an old earthen vessel that it seems like the weight of those treasures will break me. Why, Dennis? in the hospital on the other side of the country? Why the family troubles that I'm going through or the marital problems? Why, 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 why? The answer of the Word of God here, my dear friends, And it is the only answer you will ever get from God when you say why. The answer of the word of God is that the excellency of the power may be of him and not of us. That's Scripture's only answer to all those questions that we ask in our struggles and trials and difficulties. That the excellency 
of the power may be of God and not of us. So that it may be evident that salvation, my salvation, is of the Lord. So that it may be absolutely clear to me and to anyone who knows me that it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God who shows mercy. That it may be evident to the whole world that he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? That's the reason. That's the reason for your trials. That's the reason, using that figure again, why God, having put his treasure in earthen vessels, then breaks them. That word excellency is, it's not found very often in the Bible, but here in 2 Corinthians, it's one of Paul's favorite words. I think it's used seven times in all in the Bible, in the New Testament. And five of those seven times here in 2 Corinthians. Probably because it was there in the church of Corinth where there were so many troubles that God showed the excellency of his power, perhaps more than in any other congregation of the day. But if you, it's very difficult to translate too, but if you want to get an idea of what that word means, when it's used for God's power, then you have to turn to 2 Corinthians 12, one of the passages where that word is used, although it's translated there a little differently. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7. Paul uses it there. Think about that. Paul uses that word there in 2 Corinthians 12 to describe what he saw when he, I don't know if that's ever happened to anyone else, when he was caught up into the third heaven and saw visions and revelations that were too wonderful to describe. Things that might not even be spoken of in this world. That's the word that Paul uses here to describe the power of God. His power is like probably part of what Paul saw when he was caught up into heaven. 
But he uses that word power here. Not the excellency of God's grace or something like that, but the excellency of his power. Because he wants to remind us of the fact that God by his power somehow and in a way that we will probably never understand, is able, able to make his treasure shine the more gloriously by putting it in earthen vessels. No one else could do that but God. I've described how the curator of a museum shows the glory of his treasures. But God is powerful enough. The Almighty to show the glory of his treasure by Putting it in earthen vessels and not by displaying it in some beautiful and appropriate showcase. You understand that? That's why Dennis is in the hospital. That's why friends and relatives die. Sometimes we say before their time. That's why you're hurting. That's why all those family troubles that God may show in you and in your loved ones and in the other members of the congregation that all the glory of our salvation belongs Not to us, but to him. To show that he's the God of election. To show himself in all his gracious glory in the face of Jesus Christ. In you. In what happens in your life. and in your congregation too. That the excellency of the power may be of him and not, not ever of us. And when 
The child of God hears that, as we do here in 2 Corinthians 4. Then he says, you say, don't you? Yes. Yes. That's, that's it. And you say, too, don't you? I don't need any other answer than that. If God shows in my life and in what happens to me something of his greatness and glory, then that's enough. Because when you come right down to it, There's nothing in all the world that I want as much as I want that. That's what you say, isn't it? I trust it is because you don't need I don't need anything else but that. Then all those other questions fall away. Why me? Why this? Why at this time? That doesn't matter anymore. When we learn, and it takes a lifetime to learn it, That God's sovereign reason for making us earthen vessels and for dealing with us as earthen vessels is simply and solely his own glory. That was Job, you know. Job was a pious and godly man. There's no doubt about that. There can be no doubt about that. But he thought that God had to explain himself in all that happened in Job's life. And God's answer to him finally, when after all his struggles, God spoke to him, And when he had endured the abuse of his three friends, God's answer to him was simply, I am God. And Job said what you and I must say. That's enough. That's all I need to know. I'm sorry I forgot. I'm going to put my hand on my mouth and be silent. But trusting that, and I'll leave you with that this morning, trusting that, seeing yourself as one of those earthen vessels, wondering why God has made you such and dealt with you as such, 
but understanding that it's for his glory and honor, you not only say that's enough, but you say that in hope. Don't you? That that same God, by the excellency of his power, is able to make of you a vessel, that's what Paul calls it in Romans 9, a vessel unto honor. As he will do, when by the resurrection of our bodies, by changing, as Paul says, these vile bodies into the likeness of Christ's most glorious body. He makes us vessels that are a little more fitted to be receptacles of that great treasure of the light, of the knowledge, of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You believe that, don't you? You believe that in the face of your own troubles and trials? Would you find yourself an earthen vessel? I trust that having that treasure of the light, of the knowledge, of the glory of God in Jesus Christ, you do. Not of yourself, but because you have that treasure. God grant it. Amen. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for, once again, for the wonderful truths of Thy Word so near to our hearts and which touch so nearly the circumstances of our own lives. Forgive us when we do not see these things as we should. Forgive us when we are troubled and afraid and distressed and lonely, that overwhelmed by the afflictions of this present time, and turn our eyes to Thee, the God of our salvation, in the face of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and help us to see more clearly. Forgive us all our sins, the sins of preaching Thy Word with such weakness, the sins of hearing it as we do. Forgive us for Jesus' sake in whose name we pray.